probably the most famous of all the different laws that are discussed in Parshas Mishpatim would be the laws of Eved Ivri, the laws of the Hebrew slave. This law topic is in fact the very first one that the Chumash decides to talk about after transitioning to the civil laws of Parshas Mishpatim. Coming off of the Aserus Adibros, we segue over into the laws pertaining to society, and this is the very first one that we confront. And it's kind of curious, maybe a question to consider is why it is that we begin with Evidivri of all the different laws. But there's a lot of questions perhaps that can be asked about the Evidivri. And maybe now is not the time and the place for all the different questions. But among them, something to consider is about the two different ways a person can become an Evidivri. Right? The Chazal delineate the two possibilities. Either he was someone who had stolen and was unable to compensate for that which he had taken, and therefore, based in as a penalty and perhaps as some form of restoration maybe, they sell him as a slave and he's forced to work. The other possibility is that he actually chose to sell himself voluntarily because he had come upon hard times, he was having trouble making ends meet, and in order to create some kind of support system for himself in this moment of desperation, he sold himself as a slave, and that's, again, option B for this Ebed Ivri. Now, Chumash tells us that the Ebed Ivri is really not supposed to work forever. Um, he could remain in his master's house and work for six years. That's the minimum, and perhaps there should be maximum. But the Chumash tells us in the seventh year, at that point, he is supposed to go free. However, if, he's, if he so chooses... And if he's stubborn enough and he wants to resist going free and he says that I love my master, my new wife, all of my life situation as it is now, so he is able to work at least up until the Yovel year at the cost of a new hole that is going to be drilled in his ear. They take a Marzea, translated commonly as an awl, A-W-L, an awl. They put a hole in his ear. They bring him over to at, uh, the basin. The basin brings him to the doorway right by the mezuzah, and they drill this hole in his ear, and then he continues to work. And the question, famous question, is why exactly do they drill the hole in his ear? Chazal Talas Rashi recites in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai that this is the same ear that heard at Har Sinai, don't steal. Or this is the same ear that heard, for to me, Tashem and no one else are the Bnei Israel to be servants, right? Avadaihim. And yet this man went ahead and either decided to steal or he sold himself to become a servant. And as a result, his ear would, so to speak, take the punishment. Now, we've probably heard this suggestion, famous, uh, this famous suggestion many times, but what really does it mean? Like, why exactly is it that his ear is penalized of all things. I, I know, we, we, we just heard the drasha. It was the same ear that heard. But again, what really was the sin of his ear? Did his ear really fail him? Did his ear do anything wrong? If we're, if we're really thinking about it, we might argue that it was his hand that stole. Maybe it was his hand that failed him, right? Or if he chose to sell himself as a slave. Maybe it was his feet that, you know, that, that walked into the house of his master. Maybe it's his brain that made the really awful decision to either steal or to sell himself as a slave. I don't hear anyone suggesting that we drill a hole in his brain, and maybe for obvious reasons that we can't do that. But what really was the sin of this individual's ear? What did his ear do wrong? So there's a lot to think about in terms of 
the the different details pertaining to evidivory. I can go on for a long time asking questions on the topic, and you know, again, maybe not for now, but um, needless to say, for now, you know, there are a lot of different questions. This is the one that I want to focus on, along with another question. My Rebbe of Jonas and Sachs quotes basically every year in the name of the Maharel Diskin. The Maharel Diskin asks another related question. And that question is all about one word, timing, the timing. If the whole problem with what this evidivery had done was that he heard something and he made the wrong decision based on that, so why exactly are we drilling the hole in his ear at this moment that we are doing so? Right, consider the fact that when this individual had stolen, this was six to seven years earlier. We're having him look back on something he did six or seven years ago when he stole, but just before he became a slave. Really, we're, we're, you know, and if you think about it in terms of, in terms of how punishment works, usually a punishment is supposed to be immediately after the action. This way, this will, um, this will reinforce better behavior. It'll condition him. It makes much more sense to punish him at the moment that he had done something wrong. And let's say this is the individual that sold himself as a slave because he was desperate. So, again, the same problem. You know, we really should have, um, you know, I don't know if the, the moral discon asks for, for this individual, but my Rebbe of Yonas and Sachs does ask it, and that is, he, he made that decision, again, six years ago. He decided to become an Evid. All of a sudden now, we're, we're taking it out on him at this point, well, on his ear anyway. So why exactly is it that we are taking it out on him at this particular point in time, well after he had made that poor decision. So let's go back to the significance of the ear, and maybe even back even further. Why exactly are we starting with the laws of Evid Ivory? So if you think about it, the model of the Evid Ivory is not just a law topic, but it is actually a representation of something that the Bnei Israel at this time in the Torah had actually just recently experienced, and that in fact was their place as Avodim Ivriim, they were Hebrew slaves. They were Hebrew slaves to the Egyptians, right? They were known as, as Ivrim, and they were slaves in Egypt. And in fact, it was at that very same place by the doorway, right? When their Egyptian home is where they became free. They became free, and they were taken as Hashem servants when they slaughtered the carbon Pesach, the blood that they drew at that doorway. The imagery is very significant especially when you think about the Eved Ivory. Now, something to consider is what the whole purpose of our slavery was. Right? Lo Signo, if we said he heard, do not steal. Think about that. Do not steal. And the Sarasa Dibros really is not referring to stealing an object, which is the case for the Eved Ivory. It is referring to the Isser of Kidnap, which was a very big catalyst for the Egyptian exile, the slavery, the subjugation that we had gone through, the kidnap of Yosef and the Chiras Yosef. Evid Ivory has many echoes to what we had gone through, moving on from the end of Bereshis through the beginning of Shemos. And that's where it meets us in one of the first laws after our Geula, something to think about. But certainly, one thing we can take away is that our, our, our experience as Avadim to other human beings was not one of an ideal situation. It was one of godless. It was one to wake us up. It was one to shake us. 
It was something that we did not really want or we should not have ever wanted. It was never something to be comfortable with. Now, let's think about the role that the ear plays. What did the ear do wrong? So if you think about it, the ear really didn't do anything wrong per se. The ear is meant for us to hear things. We take messages from the things that we hear. The ear heard don't steal. The ear heard that we're supposed to be servants to Hashem. But after all, the ear itself didn't really do anything wrong. However, the problem with the ear is the same problem that we encounter every single time someone's talking to us and we're listening but not really listening, right? We say, oh, I'm listening to you. Don't worry. I'm hearing every word that you say. But it doesn't make the impression on us because we're not really meditating on it. And at that point, when we're doing that, in a certain sense, our ear is failing us. Because if you hear the words that are going into your ear, but they don't actually process, those words don't make any sense to us, or we don't get the right message from it. So what was the point of us having our ear in the first place? And that is exactly what the Maharal Diskin explains is the reason why we punish the individual years later. Because if after six years of subjugation, he says, thanks, sir, can I have another? He didn't get the message. He didn't realize that what he was experiencing was gullus. He got too comfortable in his gullus. This is true whether you had to sell yourself or this is true whether you had stolen. You're experiencing what you're experiencing because for one reason or another, you are not in the ideal state and Hashem wants you to experience gullus. And the point for us in the Parsha of Na'asev and Ishma is that it's not enough to go through the motions, but we have to hear and process the messages that Hashem is sending us. We have to hear it with our ears, and then that which goes into our ears can't stop there, but it has to go into our hearts so that we understand. We have to understand and think about what it is that we're going through. Are we getting the messages from that which Hashem is trying to tell us? We should be Zoha and we should yearn for the Geula and leave the state of perpetual aftas.